Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 33. I'm your host, Sokka and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? Guess who's back, back, back. Josie's back, 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 back again, 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 with we win. Let's go, USA, baby. Three to two. Are you happy? Gosh. Yeah, I'm happy. I mean, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about with, about USA versus Iceland. Okay. Uh, I can't believe you just did that. Yeah, you were not expecting that, were you? No, I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> was, it too, was it too cringy? Yeah, but you know what's not cringy? What, Sahel? What, whatever could that be? The amazing sports apparel brand named Ambitious Strike. You can check out their merchandise at ambitiousstrike.com. If you want to get 15% off on your entire purchase, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yes, do that. Visit ambitiousstrike.com. They have some great clothing, as Sahil just said. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. Go check them out. The link is always in the description. But how are you doing? How are you doing, Sahil? Uh... Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I had a pretty good weekend. You came back to the 419, Toledo. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that was kind of cringe. Uh, Roma got their first win in a while. Well, that's no, what I was going to say. About that. We're not going to talk about that, I guess, officially. Yeah, so but... Spalletti's first win, that was nice to see. Um, yeah. Looked pretty good. Everton got a win on Sunday, too, 3 nothing. It was what nice. You, what do you think about Everton's new transfer market dealings? Yes, uh, Naise. He's a 25-year-old Senegalese striker. They signed him for around 13 million pounds. Uh, he's a winger and a striker. He looks to be a good player. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. He sometimes refers to himself in the third person, which I like. I think that's awesome. Dude, Zlatan does that. I mean, yeah, exactly. No, but he honestly, he's like he's fast, he's powerful, and he's he can pass too. So, I'm excited. I'm hoping instead of playing like. Tom Cleverly or Leon Osman on the left wing, we play this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Some some big... I mean, that's a lot of money to spend for Everton. So... Yeah, although Everton player. are like the 18th richest club in the world, so... Yeah, that's why that's why everyone's pissed off at them. I mean, the fans. Well, I mean, the squad is an excellent squad. Someone was saying... Some, some British pundit went off on them, and he was saying that Everton have a better squad than Leicester, and... I mean, what less? He was saying what Leicester player gets into the Everton squad, and aside from Schmeichel, maybe Mahrez, probably Mahrez. I don't think anyone else does though. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, that's true. So, so you think it's about the coaching then? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think I don't think Roberto Martinez is the right man for the job. He has eighteen wins in sixty-three matches, or now nineteen in sixty-four. That's yeah, that's, that's unacceptable. Awful. That's awful. Well, how did you guys even finish? Like in the prem, we have we have six wins in twenty three matches this year. Six wins. And I'm I'm sure those came in like the first fifteen matches. Yeah, I don't a, know a lot that. of them did. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys just won. But does that include the sixth win, or does that include the win over the weekend? No, because that wasn't in the prem. That was the FA Cup. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Anyway. All right, moving on to the game that we're all waiting to talk about. USA played Iceland. Uh, their team featured an all-MLS roster from the January camp. They played Iceland uh, in the StubHub Center at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Sunday. Yes, Sunday. Sorry. <laughs> I did indeed watch it on Sunday, not Saturday. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wait, you, didn't, you didn't watch the Pro Bowl, man? I actually got to watch both. I oh, yeah, it was I, later in the day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it? later. I, 
it was exciting. I, All right, no, it's not important. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, a, a lot of stuff happened. I mean, most importantly, the U.S. got the win, but we got to see the debuts of Kellen Acosta and Luis Robles. Uh, uh, wasn't that the most important thing, to get the win? I don't know if I agree with that. I think there were plenty of things that happened in the match that were, oh, no, no. were more important. Oh, you mean, okay, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess. It shows you that we can beat... European level competitions with just our MLS team. Well, okay, let's settle down. That was a definitely a B side for Iceland. Like there was, it was only Denmark and Norway based players. There was okay. no <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I thought they were taking it seriously as kind of a tune up no, no, game. No, to they the Euros. were because no, because these guys want to make the Euros. Now, yeah, it's not like it's a good opponent. It's probably one of the better, definitely one of the better opponents we've played in the January camp. I, my, my, I'm just saying there was a lot of good things the U.S. did that I think outweigh the win, that I think I would have been happy with even if it was a 2-2 draw or if we lost. Yeah, I, I mean, one of which was oh, Josie's play. Uh, oh, he was excellent. Incredible. He had the hockey assist on the third goal and obviously the first goal uh, off the Bradley assist uh, and just great hold-up play. Um, I, I, his runs. And, you know, uh, Taylor Twelman said in the broadcast – he showed up a week early on his on his dime, to, um, in Taylor Twellman's words, and he got a fitness coach. Uh, in the offseason, he lost 15 pounds. He looks slimmer. He looks faster. And he looks he looks just as confident as he did. I mean, it's only one match, but he looked just as confident as he did with Azad Alkmar. So I think that's really, really good to see. And hopefully he, Jovinko, and Bradley can form a really, really good trio this year. I mean, if... if I mean, I know this is not what we're talking about, but Toronto really was missing the consistency from Josie last year. He was injured. There were games he weren't pl- he wasn't playing well. I mean, if they can, if they have him playing well, and if he and Michael Bradley form a connection, I mean, they already have a connection. But if that if that chemistry grows, that's only good for the U.S. national team. Yeah, I definitely agree. There are some pieces of play that Josie Altador created that you know obviously didn't result in goals. Uh, Josie, I mean, we didn't get to see his hold-up play that much in terms of the goals, but he did have some excellent hold-up play in the 25th minute where he played one through into Bradley, and right. a Bradley shot was deflected. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a great one. Um, also, a few times, um, Josie made that diagonal run like three or four times, and you know he just missed the ball. I think he he tried to overlaborate and bringing it down, but his honestly his touch maybe is kind of rusty. I mean, but if he's making those runs, those are the yeah. type of runs we need to do. The one thing, the one thing I, I will say, I still don't like when he drifts out wide. I really don't. Um, I don't know. I guess it's it's sort of it sort of allows. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what. If he's playing balls like like he did it to Birnbaum uh, in the 90th minute or 89th minute or whatever the third goal was, I mean, I'd be okay if we had a good striking partner up top with him. If we, you know. No, but he wasn't. No, he he had the second goal. Oh, yeah, that's what you're saying. Sorry. No, what? I'm talking. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm talking just, about. Yeah, when he when Burn, when he passed it to Burnbaum and then Burnbaum pa- headed it on for Fiscal. Oh yeah, sorry, that was the second goal off the third goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a great. That was a great settling touch. He he put it down with his head and he put it in the box. What you want to see him play left wing like he did at Alkmaar? No, wait, <laughs> no, I mean no. I, I, I just no, think no, that. I know. If we have, like, someone else reliable to stay inside the box with him, then he can afford to do that. Uh, you don't think that's Jassy's artist? 
Ah, Jossie Zardes. In the 16th minute, Lee, Lee Wynn ran past like the whole defense onto the right side of goal, delivered a beautiful cross, and then Zardes heads it down and then over the goal. Uh, yeah, we've seen him miss a lot of headers. That's something he definitely needs to improve on. Uh, you know what? He started off not that great, but when he moved that wide in the second half, he looked a little better. Um, he's definitely taking on players a little bit more than we've seen before. And if he can continue to do that, that's good for the U.S. national team. Personally, I don't know if he's ready. Uh, I'm not saying we really have any better options. I just do not know if he's ready. Because he's still a very, very raw player. And, and me saying that, does, I don't think he's bad at all. Like, I think he has a tremendous upside. I just don't... I really don't know if he's ready for, you know, Copa America. I think... I think Nagby and Wynn are much better options on the wing. And... Juan Agadello, or if Jordan Morris plays well, uh, if he's not at the Olympics, are, are better options up top with Josie. Yeah, uh, and remember to leave Aaron Johansson in this discussion. Right, Aaron Johansson, that's very true. You're right. He, he's making some progress. I, a couple weeks ago, uh, Werder Bremen was tweeting something, uh, but yeah, <laughs> he, he's getting there. Uh he also had, yeah he had another header like you were talking about before in the 48th minute that he just couldn't get in uh yeah we'll, we'll see what happens with Zardes he he he's you know he's he's pacey he shows sometimes sparks of being decent but I'm, uh, like I said he has a tremendous upside he's not a bad player he's a good player uh he I just I don't know I think there are better wingers in the pool like at, at least deserve a chance. You know, and if they if they don't turn out to be better, then I'm wrong. But I think they deserve a chance. Well, what do you think about Finley's play on Sunday? Honestly, very underwhelming. Same. Um, you know, he did not have a good MLS Cup run. He was not that great in the playoffs. Uh, he does that thing where he tries to take on defenders and just doesn't beat them. Yeah. You know, he just runs into them. Happened multiple times. Yeah, he took a he, he took he took a couple of long shots too. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think there were certain promising aspects of his play, and I don't agree with writing him off yet. I think that's just a ridiculous notion. Uh, he definitely deserves another shot, and, you know, he impressed in camp. He was very good throughout the season. I, I think he deserves a shot, another shot. Um, that being said, the wingers who came on in the second half, uh, Nagby and uh, were played much better. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's a product of... Well, no, I mean, they just flat-out played better. They were more effective. Lee Wynn was more effective on the other side. That, Bradley and Wynn, uh, that was the best-looking midfield I've seen in a while for the U.S. Yeah, and Jermaine Jones was shaky at first. Bad passes, bad touches, looked incredibly slow on the counterattack, but then he started getting to the game. And when he s- sticks into that defensive midfield role and allows Michael Bradley to move forward, it does wonders for the team. And... And this is what I was sort of alluding to when I said, you know, there are things more important that we that we've maybe found out um, in this match. But I, the U.S. is the U.S. is able to the U.S. is able to play some quick, nice soccer in the midfield. They're able to move the ball along quickly. The but you, aside from certain lulls, the. T- where the team was stagnant, they weren't really stagnant throughout the match, and a big part of that was Lee Wynn and Michael Bradley and Josie's runs. It's just, it's just a bit worrisome to me—not worrisome to me, but 
the fact that, I mean, we're talking right now about how progressive this game was, but then in reality, two of these goals are pretty much off set pieces. Like, just, I mean, that's that's classic, you know, U.S. play. Michael Bradley whipping in the last one. Josie Altidore off a broken corner in the, for the second goal uh, into Birnbaum, then into uh, uh, Roscoe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair enough, but don't you think this is the most encouraging offensive performance we've seen since maybe the Portugal game? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought, aside I from, midfield aside made from like the attack, Cuba, I mean, it just made the attack look really good. And right, and, and Lee Wynn, you know, he was playing out wide, but he was cutting into the middle and creating, and props to Jurgen Klinsmann, man. He, he put him in a position to succeed. Um, and it was a very fluid front four with Altidore, Zardes, Finley, and Wynn. They were cutting inside and out, and then Bradley would join an attack. Um, and like I said... I, that's what I'm encouraged. That's what that's what I like to see. And I I've said it before. I think I think the answer. I mean, besides you know Danny Williams or Will Trap, I think the answer at defensive midfield is Jeff Cameron. But we'll see what happens with that. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't you know we can't we can't just uh, skip over Iceland's goals. So uh, the first one was Christian uh, Steindorsen's deflected shot in the 13th minute. It was off. Uh, Michael Roscoe header, which he tried to clear, but no, 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 it's Beasley. Are you sure? Beasley, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Beasley, Beasley tried to clear it, and it was a terrible clearance. Kellen Acosta cheated forward, should have come back and helped Beasley. Not excusing that clearance, um, but yeah, that was an awful clearance and then a deflected shot. Christian Steindorsen, 21 appearances with Columbus Crew SC this year, uh, was a signing that we thought would do well, didn't really do much for Columbus, and is not in MLS anymore, but he scores a goal against the U.S., a deflected shot. It's deflected off Orozco, but, but Matt Beasley... Oh, okay, 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 yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. And then in the second one, in the 48th minute, Aaron Sigurdsson, or Sigurd- Sigurd- Darson, uh the debutant <laughs> for Iceland, scored in the 48th minute... Uh, uh, you know, to to get to give Iceland the two one lead, uh, he just yeah. cut in on Robles' r- right and then shot it far post. Um, yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I think the word is debutante. What did I say? Debutant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a weird passage of play. Michael Orozco, we thought got fouled. Referee gave the gave uh, the call to Iceland. It's a quick free kick. Michael Orozco is thirty yards up the field. Uh, Ethan Finley not covering for him, and then it's off. Ethan Finley tries to recover, misses. Orozco somehow gets back, backs off, backs off, and it's just a great shot by uh, Steindorsen. Um, I mean, it's pretty much unstoppable. Uh, I mean, Michael Orozco was playing right back, so... Or, Orozco didn't back off, excuse me. Um, Birnbaum was backing off. Uh, I mean, it was just a great shot. I, I don't really... I don't know. To be honest... I don't, I don't know. I really don't think this is going to be the back line come March and come summer. That's why I am not super worried about our defense because I'm, I'm more, I'm definitely uh, the encouraging signs we saw in the attacking half and in the middle, in the attacking third and the middle third outweigh my concerns in defense because. Um, I I, re- I don't think this is going to be our defense. Yeah, I mean John Anthony Brooks and Jeff Cameron, you know, are yeah. key players who I mean, are in Europe. 
you have maybe Matt Miazga, DeAndre Yedlin, right. uh, and yeah, so you you have these guys who who, who are going to be there. Maybe Timmy Chandler, maybe Fabian Johnson. I mean, can you imagine Fabian Johnson in a midfield like this? How is- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I forgot about Fabian Johnson for a second. <laughs> but how is Yedlin doing at uh, Sunderland? He hasn't played recently, so we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's just disappointing. But, you know, Matt Miazga, you just mentioned his, his transfer to Chelsea. We're going to talk about that a little bit later more in depth. But, um, so, uh, what did you think about, you know, obviously the, the U.S. wonder kid right now, Jordan Morris. What did you think about his performance once he came out as a substitute? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, Morris was active. Two shots. Uh, yeah, Morris was active. I thought he looked good. Um, I, I want to see more of him. The, the real impact sub was Kisavetter, though. I mean, he was just fantastic on the right there. Uh, I mean, he was just running at the defenders, giving the Icelandic left back, uh, giving the Icelandic left back fits. Uh, he was not only was he beating people, he was putting in dangerous crosses. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was a finish. There was a finished product. I hope he breaks into the Stuttgart team soon. Um, but he was just. He was great, and uh, the, the only thing that sort of concerned me was there were a couple of times where I feel like it would have been easier for him to maybe cut back onto his left foot, where he didn't seem comfortable doing that and just try to beat his man. And if he can beat him, great. I mean, if he can be like Iron Robin, wonderful. But I think, you know, I, I feel like it might be better if he can develop a left foot. I, I, that's the only criticism in a pretty much flawless game for a cameo like that. Um, for like a 10, 15 minute sub- substitute appearance. Actually, I don't, I don't even remember what time he came on. Uh, um, yeah, it was the 75th minute for Jossie's artist at the same time as Jordan Morris came on for Altidore. Right, okay, so he put in 25, 27 minutes. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, was he the one who drew the final free kick for Bradley? Yeah, he okay, was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he, he, I mean, honestly, he was wonderful. Uh, and what do you think about Tony Chani? Uh, well, we saw a trademark foul slash non-foul where he just runs into the defender and somehow the referee doesn't call it. Um, you know, he was, he was, he was good. I, I wouldn't say, I mean, he was, he was all right. He was present. Um, I thought, I think you see, uh, it's, it's, it was hard for me, I, honestly, hard for me to evaluate his performance. He had a couple of nice passes, a couple of bad giveaways in the final third where he tried to maybe force it. Um, defensively, he was, he was, he was pretty good. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see more of him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next match. We didn't see Will Trap or Perry Kitchen. Uh, and I feel like maybe Jermaine Jones might play center back. I feel like that might happen in the next match. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. Uh, Darlington Nagby was the second sub, a guy that you're really a uh, big proponent of for the U.S. national team. What did you think his impact was? He, he did get a yellow card in the match. When, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's important. When he was on the right, I thought he was less effective. When he was doing the same thing Lee Wynn was doing in the first half, he was much, much more effective. He's moving the ball quickly. He does what he does. He's playing sort of that hybrid left midfield slash center central attacker uh, type of thing that uh, Lee Wynn was doing in the first half. And then he, and when Lee Wynn moved to a true center attacking midfield position, he and Lee Wynn looked awesome together. Uh, I mean, connecting, I mean, there's just some, there's just, you know, it only happened once or twice, but 
that type of play is just exciting, man, to see attacking players. And you and I have wanted to see Lee win for so, so long and see him get an actual chance. And Jurgen Klinsmann said he was the big winner of this camp. Jurgen Klinsmann said he impressed and he deserves his shot. So, uh, you know, people will say, oh, he's 29. He'll only be 31 at the next World Cup. I mean, Brad Davis, Jermaine Jones, Chris Wondolowski, uh, I'm missing one. Um, who am I missing? Any, Beckerman? I mean, in any case. Beckerman, yeah, Beckerman. They were all 32 or older, and they made their first World Cup, and I feel like, I feel like aside from James Jones, the James Jones, wow, still in football season, uh, Jermaine Jones, um, and maybe Kyle Beckerman, we win could have a huge impact on this team. I feel like we need that attacking talent along with Darlington Nagby to tide us over to maybe a Gideon Zellalem, Christian Pulis, Sachera, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, no, no. Uh, like, I mean, I understand why people want, like, young players. I really do. And I honestly used to be like that. Like, why would we want Lee Wynn when he's already 27 years old after this World Cup? But I don't know. I, I just feel you need to you need to qualify with the best players you have. And you need to go into the World Cup with the best players you have. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. You agree? I, I, I mean, think... feel, free to dis- feel free to disagree. I, I don't think... I don't think that you have to agree with that, but it's just my thought. No, I mean, I mean, there's two there's two ways to approach this. I mean, if you think if you think we'll be a competitive contender in the 2018 World Cup, then I mean, you, I mean, I guess you you play you know your your best players, obviously. But I mean, if you're looking ahead, then getting reps, I I mean, getting reps for like these young guys seems good in theory, but I I just don't think it makes sense to put pressure on nine kids at a time playing for the U.S. Like, it, it doesn't... You can't evaluate them individually. You can't see how they fit into a system, you know, with uh, with yeah, a combination of, you. you know, veterans and newcomers. So uh, th- that's one thing. And another point that I have is that I don't think there's a concrete age uh, for people because you'll notice that when, when Josie... Or, or concrete age to show if you're too old or too young for the national team or whatever because you'll <laughs> notice that when Josie's... You know, playing poorly, everyone's like, "Oh, he's 26 year old years old. That's not good enough for what he's producing." But then right now, it's like, "Oh my God, he's only 26, and he's, uh, you know, having a hockey assist and a goal, and he just looked really good in this game." Honestly, Sahil, I mean, what do I tell you all the time about Josie? He's still young. I always tell you, I mean, Sahil, you can do you agree with that? I always bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. He, he's less than a year old. He's less than a year older than Ethan Finley. He's two years older than Juan Agadello. Oh, wait, no, not Juan Agadello. Is it Jesse's artist? One year older than Johansson, right? Yeah, one year older than Johansson. Um, but he's young, man. He 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 still has uh, maybe two two World Cups left in him. Yeah, he's two years older. I think part of it is because like his best season came when he was young. So, I mean, when he was like yeah. really young. With Azad Alkmaar in 2011, 2012, 20... Yeah. No, I think it was 2012-2013 it was because he moved to Sunderland. Oh, wait, no, it was 2011-2012. Wow. Because he, he was at Sunderland for two years before the World Cup, right? No, no, I think you were, no, I think you were the one first year. time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was only one year. Because Bosnia was the year before the World Cup. Right, right. Uh, did, we, did we talk about Calan Acosta? No, we didn't. I was actually going to yeah. prompt, prompt you to do yeah, that. So, Kellen Acosta, obviously, he was playing, uh, wait, right back, left back? 
left back. Yeah, he's playing left back in this match. The 20-year-old for SC Dallas uh, was a little bit disappointing for me. I just expected him to be more involved in the attack or pinch in more. He just tended to stay on the outside and pass it back to the midfield. But, I mean, in the end, it worked out for the team. I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with that. I think Kellen Costa, truly a defensive midfielder. That's where he plays for Dallas. Probably better at right back than at left back. Did not play well at left back in the U-20 World Cup uh, this summer. He uh, got a red card against Colombia, gave up a penalty. Luckily, uh, Zach Steffen saved it, and Rubio Rubin ended up scoring the winner. Uh, But... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think left back is his best position. At the beginning of the match, I was like, "Oh, here we go. He's not playing well." But I thought he settled, and I thought he started to play well in the second half. And I think the best sign was he was sort of invisible in that second half. You know, he didn't make any big mistakes. Uh, he made a mistake on the first goal, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, a couple of shaky defensive moments, but he got better. And you know, left back. The only other the only other player on this roster could play left back as Brandon Vincent, and he just got drafted to Chicago. Uh, although I am excited to see Brandon Vincent. I hope we get to see him play. Um, so I think, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience for him. Usually a right back for the national uh, for the U23s, too. So it's a learning experience for him. If he can play well, maybe he's the answer. Uh, but still, I think right now you have to look at maybe Fabian Johnson, although I would like him in the midfield, but we do have more midfield options now. Um... Uh, Maybe Timmy Chandler, mm, Greg Garza. Uh, I mean, and the one we all want to see is Jorge Villafania, right? Yeah, yeah. So. He's been playing really well as of late. Well, one more question about uh, Callan Acosta. Do you want to see him go abroad? Because, you know, he's one of those players uh, who was a youth product for FC Dallas. He's been he's, he, he's born in Texas. He's been, you know, a big kind of... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what's the word for it? He's, he's been sort of like a revelation. Yeah. He's been, he, he's been very, very good. Um, I would say not yet. Uh, I think just his development was so great during the last year. Maybe stay one more year in that environment, learn how to play with another homegrown player in Ulloa, play with Mauro Diaz in front of you, Fabian Castillo out wide. I, I think that might be a good environment for him. Matt Hedges behind him, who should probably get a U.S. call-up. Don't know why he hasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, I think stay there and then maybe in a year ago, uh, cause he, I think he's good enough. He has some offers. I think he did sign a deal with FC Dallas though. Um, so maybe one or two years more. He's only 20. Um, and if he can, if he can develop more as a defensive midfielder, cause I, I, you, you look at him, I don't think he can, I don't think he can compete. In a in a more in a in like the English Premier League. Well, I just been I I, I meant in a more like big picture sense because some people say they want their oh, homegrown players eventually? to just like stay in MLS. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, I I eventually want all of our youngsters to move to Europe, but I also want MLS to sign big name youngsters from Europe. So, so well, I don't know. I I, it's a catch I feel like too. you. For some players, though, and it, and it makes sense for some players that you have to take each player individual. You say that you want them to right. develop in Europe. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're already developing, why can't you keep your prime in MLS? Uh, because what the difference in MLS is if you are that good, if you are a U.S. national team player, chances are you are not competing for a job. Chances are you are, you are content or you are 
well-established in your position. I think that's maybe why we saw a drop-off in Matt Beasley. He had no competition. That's one of the biggest, biggest struggles. That being said, a lot of players maybe jump the gun on moving to Europe and fail. It's a fact. So I think players in Europe right now who are developing very well, Emerson Hindeman, Dwayne Holmes, Christian Pulisic, I'd like to see him stay there. And then certain players from MLS who I think are ready, like Matt Miazga, like maybe Will Trapp or Perry Kitchen, I'd like to see move over. Players like Jordan Morris, Kellen Acosta, Zendejas, uh, Christian Roldan up in Seattle. These guys, I think it's important for them to continue playing, to get playing time. Other people, other people who have more, who are more established, I think, should go to Europe and should test their skills. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, no, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's a really, it's, I, I feel like it's really subjective and it's a case by case. Uh, you have to, you have to evaluate, you have to evaluate the players case by case. I don't think there is a right answer for any, for, for, I don't think there's just a right answer for all U.S. players. Uh, I mean, I would like to see, obviously, them succeed in Europe. But, I mean, we've seen with Landon Donovan, with others, doesn't need to happen. We saw with Costa Rica, only two players on that team, on that quarter, World Cup quarterfinal team, played uh, in, in big leagues in Europe. And a lot of them got moves after that. But, yeah, you're right. You know? It's definitely something we have to look at each player. And, you know, you know, I, I see people, when I bring up that argument, they're like, well, all the World Cup winners um, have teams in Europe. Yeah, most of them, most of them, maybe besides Brazil, also have a strong, well, Brazil has a strong development system, um, which we don't have yet, have strong domestic leagues, have really strong domestic leagues, and that's what we're lacking. Um, at the moment. I love MLS, you know, I love MLS, but it's just not there yet. And the other thing is, yes, winning a World Cup is nice at that point, but, like, I mean, we're not even close to there yet. We, we really, it, we were kind of close to a quarterfinal, but in, in reality, I don't know if we really were. I mean, we were, I, obviously we were a Wando shot away from the quarterfinal, or maybe a Dempsey Oh man, I don't. Know. I don't know how to describe to that, but it's tough to it's tough to relive. Yeah, but you, you know what I mean. Like, I would rather. I think the first step is to have strong development development in our country, um, and then create a stronger league, and then have players play in Europe and in MLS. It's, I mean, people think you can just go to Europe. It's not that easy. You don't just go to Europe and play. For England, you need to get a work permit. Uh, you might have to learn a different language. You're thousands of miles away from home. It's easier. It's, it's easier if you're a, a Turkish player going to Germany. It's like an hour flight. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are people, like I said last time. So I, I it's harder than that. I think we need to develop our own league um, while also having players in Europe side by side. I think that's that's the case. And then eventually we look better and better in a World Cup maybe make it to the quarterfinals or look really good and lose to a team like Germany in the round of 16, you know? I mean, you can't just go from teams we have now to a World Cup to a World Cup challenging team in 4 years with the players we have. And and players like Jordan Morris signing with MLS, 
uh, and Kellen Acosta signing new deals incentivizes the homegrown system. If they, if these MLS players, if they're not getting a fee, I mean they will, but if they, if they're not getting as large of a fee as they want, if they don't even get to, if they don't even play with the team, the homegrown players, and they just sign with a European team, like we've seen with some players, it, it de-incentivizes it. That being said, you know, homegrown players, um, if when a player sells a homegrown player, when it's, sorry, not a player, when a team sells a homegrown player, they get to keep more of the money than any other player. So th that's sort of the incentive there. Um, and they would get money on a free transfer. They still are compensated by FIFA. But, but you, you understand what I'm saying in terms of incentivizing the homegrown system? If you, if you know you can keep these players, you're going to want to spend more time on that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not, to say that... Sorry, I was a little convoluted. It's like midnight. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, for people to say that, like, teams that don't win, teams that win World Cups have players playing in Europe is just, we're, we're so far off from that, it's a longer process than that. Exactly. And I'm sure Brazil or Argentina had to develop their domestic leagues a little bit before they had players playing in Europe. I mean, I guess they were always historically good, but, like, say Europe, oh no, Uruguay... I'm, tr I'm trying to think but of a those, team. But, um, but those 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 leagues were historically good in in the 50s, 60s when they were dominating. 70s, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, who, who's a team that's risen to success like recently, like Belgium? Yeah, like Belgium and the Netherlands don't have super strong leagues, but they ha but the development system is miles ahead of the U.S. Yeah. That's the main difference. And people, you know, the other thing is people say. Um, oh, we have so many more people. It's just sad. I think it's a, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Yeah, you have more talent, but it's harder to identify that talent. We have 19, 20 MLS teams, 21 now. 21 MLS teams. Like, how are people... How is the next Lionel Messi in Idaho going to be identified? And it's just... It's, it's, it's hard to do that. Especially when soccer, first of all, is not the most popular sport. Second of all, the country's so big, it's impossible to identify talent. Thirdly, the coaching isn't great. Um, and, you know, the coaching is something, you know, we might talk about with certain guests, and we can get more into depth later. But, you know, the American mentality when it comes to youth sports in this country is completely wrong, especially when it comes to soccer. It... it it should not be about winning. It should be about developing talent. It should be about positional play. A lot of coaches will not allow their best players to leave their club, to go to a better club where they teach you the fundamentals of soccer because they want to win. Or they'll just put their fastest guy at striker and a player like Gideon Zellalem is told he's not good enough to play high school soccer. So there, there are serious problems with the way we just have, you know, we go to our, we go to our cousin's soccer match at nine years old. He's nine years old, but he's a good player, but they're just running at the ball. It's like a blob of people chasing the ball across the field. And then you look at the nine-year-olds in La Masia for Barcelona, and they're, they could probably beat the U-12s for the U.S. or the U-13s. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not the U-13s, but the U-12s or the U-11s, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no. It's, it's, there's, there's issues. The other thing, sorry, I know this is a huge tangent. The other thing is the pay-to-play 
system is absolutely ridiculous. That the best clubs you have to pay obscene amounts of money. Players like Eddie Johnson wouldn't have been a soccer player if he didn't if he didn't know a family who could pay for him. Clint Dempsey wouldn't have been a soccer player if his if her sister if his sister didn't die. Think about that. That's ridiculous. That we are losing out on talent because of an archaic system. Because what other countries have is those kids play soccer in the streets, you know? And that's starting to happen here. More and more kids will go out and play soccer. But for a long time, and even now, it's, it's hard for... You, you can't develop those skills unless you're at a club like that. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll have, a, maybe we'll have an episode about this kind of stuff. But... Yeah, I'm sorry. I just went off on a huge tangent. No, it's, it's alright. I definitely agree that it's a, it's a long process, and you, you have to. Yeah, it's not it's not going to change unless we change the system. Um, you know, talent isn't just yeah. going to appear like that. So exactly. Uh, but but let's go. this was encouraging. This was overall it was encouraging. This game. Yeah, yeah. I, I just have one more question about uh, the um, January camp as a whole. So uh, mm-hmm. Taylor Twelman was saying that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, this was a lot more of a chill January camp. They didn't have as many training sessions. It was more mm-hmm. light. Uh, do you think that uh, – you, you always you know, accused Jurgen Klinsmann of over-conditioning the players. Do you think that less conditioning led to a better play in this game? All right. I wouldn't say I accuse him. I've just cited Tony Cruz and Philip Lom on what they've accused Jurgen Klinsmann of. Um, yeah, you know this is this is a much better way to do it. It showed, right? The players were not exhausted. Uh, they looked rejuvenated. They looked happy, I, and it, it was awesome to see. The other thing was, I think, a really big thing here that I haven't heard talked much about. Tactically, the team was much better, right? Set up, it was more fluid, and I think. That's because of Jason Kreiss. Remember, he was at this camp helping Jurgen. And I think that was huge. What are your thoughts on that? That that could yeah, that could that could definitely be it. I mean I mean if he can be the assistant coach, I mean that would be amazing. If he could just be like a tactical advisor, he could be like Yogi Lowe. Like he could he could be the American Yogi Lowe. Yeah, that would be awesome. And it would allow him to have experience before he stepped into the role as right. the head coach and Jürgen, eventually. And Jurgen can do the things that he does well. Motivate, evaluate talent, maybe recruit people, without and having to MLS. focus. <laughs> All right. Oh, I still can't believe I called Jermaine Jones James Jones. <laughs> you were saying something. Okay, Did I cut you off? No, I wasn't. It's, it, I mean, that's all really I had to say. Th- those are the things that he does well. If he can have tactical help uh, with Jason Christ, awesome. Awesome. That's what we need. Why don't we move over to some of the big European matches that happened this weekend? We're not going to cover much. We wanted to mainly focus this episode on the U.S. match. But uh, let's go to Italy where we saw the Milan Derby. Milan beat Inter 3-0 to at home. Uh, Nyang caught a lot of the news line and headlines the next day. Yeah, he had an assist in this match the, in the 73rd minute, and then the goal, which he shot right at Handanovic in the 77th minute, rebounded and then was able to put in the top corner. Good match for him. Uh, Alex was able to, to score early. 
the big thing, though, was Icardi missing the penalty in the 69th minute. I mean, he he had Diego Lopez going the wrong way. He hits the post. If he scores, it's 1-1 one to one in a completely different match. Uh, people think it might not have been a penalty. I think it was. I think Alex clearly kicked Icardi. It was slightly embellished, but I think it was a penalty. Um, that being said, great win for Inter Milan. I mean, fantastic win. Inter does not give up three goals. They really don't. And their inab- Inter's inability to score goals showed once again. That's their that's their biggest problem right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been tough times as of recent weeks for Inter Milan. They're only three points ahead of Roma now and five points ahead of uh, AC Milan. And it, it's going to be tough for them to maintain uh, or to get into the Champions League with the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, they're only one point behind Fiorentina for third place. Inter is. Uh, but Milan are catching up to Roma, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Roma are going to figure it out now. I mean, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll be fine. I, we'll be fine. I hope so. I really do. All right, moving over to Spain. We saw in the Camp Nou, Barcelona play Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid could not manage to get a win with nine players on the field. They lost 2-1. to one. They did lose 2-1. to one. They scored early. Koke scored in the 10th minute. And then and then all hell broke loose, I guess. Uh, Messi scores in the 30th minute. Uh, Felipe, Lu- Felipe Luiz is red carded. Definitely fair. Just destroyed Messi's knee in the 44th minute, and the Dean on the six, in another yellow, uh, or another red card, it was a double yellow, in the 65th minute, and I don't know what he was even doing there, um, I don't know, not, not great for Atletico, um, yeah. and Suarez, Suarez scored in the 30th minute, I didn't mention that, uh, not great for Atletico, because now they are behind three points, they are three, behind three points, Barcelona has 51, Atletico has 48, and Barcelona, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, and Barcelona has a game in hand. So, not great. And Real Madrid, only one point behind um, Atletico Madrid right now. And Villarreal, don't count them out. They're in fourth place with 44 points. So they could they could finish second. I could see it happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Real Madrid had a big result this weekend, beating Espanyol 6-0. Uh, we're not going to go in-depth about that. but I mean, Atletico is kind of similar to Inter in a lot of ways, except they score a little bit more, um, and they're better defensively, but, I mean, they've scored th- only 31 goals this season, and have given up 10, which is a great number. Barca, yeah, for context, how many games? Uh, 22. Wow. So th- 31's not bad. Like, that's what I'm saying. They're better offensively than Inter, for sure. But giving up 10 goals is fantastic. To put that into context, Barcelona has scored 54 and given up 17, and Real Madrid has scored 64. And given up 20. Fourth place Villarreal has scored 29 and given up 18. Yeah. I, I, what amazed us, I, we watched this game, the end of this game together. Atletico Madrid was still managing to keep possession with nine men in the they field. They were. I was crazy. Uh, I, but I, I don't think it really means anything, to be honest. It was just, sometimes, sometimes that happens. You, you know, the opponent is down to nine men. You sort of lay off a little bit. It's... We've seen it before. Diego Simeone, man. Imagine if you coached the U.S. I feel like that wouldn't work for some I, reason, but I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe it would because we'd just be defensive. and I, I don't think... No, I don't think it would work. <laughs> I mean, we don't even have any Spanish players. I, I, I just feel like usually it's like... What do you mean we don't have Spanish players? Or players playing in Spain. 
Oh, I see. So I mean, yeah, like Boxy, Boxy Yumba is back in MLS. Yeah, I saw that. Orlando City. Yeah, I saw that. I signed with Orlando. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of people who are on like the cusp of of top five leagues, like like it's on the cusp of like getting in. I mean, I don't know if he's on the cusp. Okay, but like like Sebastian Lechet, Romain Gall. I mean, I guess those they're on a bit of, bit of a higher level, but we, we we've seen these people leave in the last two years and go to MLS sides. But I, I'm okay with it. I don't I don't know if they were going to do anything in Europe anyway. I think Lechet had a chance. Yeah. I think he was good enough. Uh, Romain Gall can't really get on the field for Columbus right now. He just turned 21 a couple days ago. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, Shaq Moore is in Spain, the right back. Uh, he's playing for Real Oviedo in the second division. So, who knows? Hopefully they get promoted. Yeah. That would... I mean, no. I'm not I, that excited about him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm more excited about the Sevio pain, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Right, Christian we Pulisic. Will. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about him later. Yeah. Uh, but going over to MLS, we're gonna just highlight some of the big transfers that happened. We talk, we prefaced it earlier. Matt Miazga signed for Chelsea uh, from an undis- for an undisclosed fee from, of course, New York Red Bulls. Man, was this this is crazy, dude? <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, I mean, how, I don't care how bad Chelsea are right now. That well, they're actually we'll see. Well, apparently, uh, Hitting uh, Gus Hitting, the coach um, for Chelsea, said they want to keep him for the next four months. Evaluate how he does. He will be a squad player, so he will be with the first team, um, and then they'll decide if whether they want to loan him out next year. The big news coming out today, though, was that John Terry won't be playing with Chelsea next season. That's an opening. Gary Cahill. Sounds like he wants to leave. So next year, man, Kurt Zuma and Matt Miazga might be the starting cent- uh, center back <laughs> pairing for Chelsea. But you know, in, I mean, it could happen. But in you know, to bring it back down to earth a little bit, uh, Miazga, another meteoric rise for a player. Uh, great U twenty World Cup, wonderful season uh, with um, with the New York Red Bulls. He was he had the third most aerial. Duels won in MLS. Um, Kai Kamara was first. No surprise there. Um, he is fast. He can pass. He is decent in the air. Maybe needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, but he's an exciting prospect. And just the fact that Chelsea wants him... I, I think he, this is not a, like a Michael Hector situation. That was sort of a panic buy. I think this is a much more conscious effort. And it's true, people think Chelsea is not the right place because they have, what, 46 players on loan. Not a great place for youth development. But I really think they bought him because they wanted him in their squad as maybe a squad rotation player. Uh, I'm, I, don't, I can't say if that's necessarily a good thing. Uh, apparently Lester wanted him too. That may have been better. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's just, it's so, I just really don't understand. The U.S. fan base is so schizophrenic in that way. Um, because Jordan Morris signs to MLS, everyone's like, oh, why aren't you testing yourself in Europe? Matt Miazga goes to Chelsea. This is such a terrible move. Why would you go to Chelsea? So, we'll I see. mean, I feel, I feel like Chelsea, the environment at Chelsea, does scare me a little bit because it's of... Not, it's not Jose, though. Oh no no no! I, it's just the way that Chelsea's run. It's 
it's like if if Miazga, like let's say he somehow started two years from now, had a bad season, a lot of players like that who have played on Chelsea, started for Chelsea, their careers just go south afterwards. So, uh, I mean, I hope that's not the case for for Miazga, but uh, in terms of the pool, yeah, I I rate him pretty highly. I I hope he can do a lot for, um, I definitely rate him ahead of Alvarado. Uh, I hope he can do a lot for Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Nigel, uh, di- sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm different. Okay. No, I don't really have anything to say. Nigel De Jong terminated his contract with AC Milan and is on his way to LA Galaxy uh, to strengthen the midfield even more for LA. Do you think this is a good signing for the Galaxy? Yeah, I mean, he's still young. If he can stay healthy, he'll be a great signing for them. They, of course, lost Jardinho. Uh He's in, he's at Tijuana now. Uh, and maybe signing Nigel de Young will allow Steven Gerrard to get more involved in the attack. That's what I foresee. Um, so, yeah, good signing for them. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how their squad lines up. They have a lot of attacking talent. They have Robbie Keane, Giassi Zardes, Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, Jose Villarreal, Bradford Jameson, Mike McGee. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. I hope, I hope Bradford Jameson... Moves. Yeah. To be honest. Him or Villarreal, I think. Both of them. I would like both of them to move. Because yeah, at some point, I, I don't think LA, I don't think the Galaxy are the best place for our young players to develop. I agree. I agree. Uh, site A, example A, Jesse's artist. Okay, so well, he's no, I like artist. Uh, no, he's been he's been good. Yeah, I mean, I just think he needs to take a break from the national team. I'm just saying, like Jose Villarreal, I, I don't. He every time he played so well this year, especially at the beginning of the season. It, it just kind of reminds me of Luis Gill, you know. Someone with so much potential, so much talent, is just not. And he played well in MLS, but he's just not an MLS player. Kind of like Tommy Thompson. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So. Uh, yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, staying in MLS, Eric Palmer Brown has been loaned out to Porto. Uh, this, this is surprising to a lot of people. Obviously, Porto, one of the top teams in the Portuguese league. Uh, uh, I, I read that he's actually going to be playing mostly for the Porto second team, but still, it's, it's pretty impressive. Well, it's great for his development. It's a great development program. Very impressive. Um, you know, before Miazga and Cameron Carter-Vickers came onto the scene, this was the guy we all thought was going to be the next center, great center back. Remember, it was only a year ago that Juventus... Um, had a one million pound bid rejected uh, by uh, Juventus wanted him. Um, yeah, he's a good player. And, and when you look at the back line of the U twenty World Cup, the left back Kellen Acosta is starting for uh, the U S national team. He started for the U S national team. The left center back uh, Cameron Carter Vickers was recently promoted to this Tottenham Hotspur first team because of Jan Vertonghen's injury, two-month injury, by the way, so he might get a chance. The right center back, Matt Miazga, is at Chelsea. And the right back, DeSevio Payne, is starting in the, in the Dutch league. And then the backup center back is at Porto. That's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And then you have Shackmore, who's playing in the second division in Spain. So not bad. Not bad at all. And then you have and then you have Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath in that age group. Ethan Horvath, I mean, 
He didn't play in the World Cup because no, 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 Molda didn't want to release him. What happened but to that? Um, ben Spencer. No, He's in Molda, so. the, the the one the, the player for Ghent, who's like American. Oh, Kenny Seif? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we haven't had an international break since that whole story came out. Wait, so is, is he a, is he eligible and everything? Yeah, yeah, he's a U.S. citizen. Okay, so did he, did he become believe, a U.S. citizen since that? No, I think he always was. Okay. Yeah. So they should get on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see who they call up. There's a couple. Maybe there's a few players like that that will call up. Uh, the other one, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it later. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Uh, speaking of Americans abroad. Why don't we go into our newish segment where my brother uh, runs down his top five American performances in Europe? Not necessarily. Oh, sorry, Europe. fine, fine. Abroad, I already said. Outside of MLS, outside of M- outside of America, outside of the U.S. and Canada. Um, before we do that, though, let's talk about our great partners, Ambitious Strike. Go to AmbitiousStrike.com if you want a great t-shirt or tank top uh, and use the code BROTHERS for a 15% off discount at checkout. Um, or use the code BROTHERS at checkout for a 15% off discount. Uh, check out AmbitiousStrike.com. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. As always, the link is in the description. Michal's USMNT Top 5. I'm ready. Americans Abroad. Brought to you by Ambitious Strike. Um, so number five, Jorge Villafania, the left back formerly of Portland Timbers, continues to get a starting role with Santos Laguna, started and played 90 minutes in their 2 nothing win over Querétaro. Number four, DeSavio Payne, who we just talked about, started, played the entire match for FC Groningen's 3-1 win versus Zwoll on Saturday. He's number four. Alejandro Bedoya, continuing to play well in League A, once again started and completed the match with FC Nantes in a 1-0 win versus Troy. Troy? Troye? Uh, Troye, excuse me. <laughs> Number two, and I think we're going to pause the list and talk about this, Christian Pulisic made his Bundesliga debut, came off the bench and played 22 minutes, was involved, uh, it was 0-0 when he came on. Uh, against against Alfred Morales' FC Ingolstadt, um, and the match ended two nothing. Coincidence? Yes, but he played very very well. Uh, so the eighth youngest player in Bundesliga, the eighth youngest player to ever play in the Bundesliga. He looked like he belonged too. That's the biggest thing, right? He he did not look out of place. No, I mean it was it wasn't awesome. a, it wasn't a Julian Green slipping type thing. It was Christian Pulisic, <laughs> Bundesliga player. He was beating people. He was moving the play forward. He was taking on people, putting balls into the box. <sighs> if only the thir- the second goal was a pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he might have been able to score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on the, on the other side of the pitch, we saw Alfredo Morales play 90 minutes for Ingolstadt, so that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, why, why is no one talking? It's like when he gets promoted to the Bundesliga, he doesn't play anymore. I don't really, I don't understand. Um, but, uh, he's another option at defensive midfield that no one seems to be talking about. Can also play left midfield. Uh, so I'm excited about these two guys, especially Christian Pulisic. 
so excited, man. The hype train has definitely left the station. Gideon who? That's what it seems like these days with Christian Pulisic. Okay, why? <laughs> I don't know. Like, we just move. We move quickly as a fan base. Okay, yeah, okay. But Gideon who seems like negative on Gideon. No, 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 yeah, I don't agree with that. I was just saying that's what it seems like. Um, but he, honestly, is the best youth product since Landon Donovan. I... But would you have I, said I that about Freddie Adu if you saw him when he was, like, a youth? I mean, like, very But young. we didn't see him succeed like Pulisic is right now. It's true. Remember, this is not... It's not like... It's not like Dortmund was blowing this team out and he came on. He came out because he was... A, he came onto the pitch because he was a viable option to help Dortmund win this match. Have, I don't think we've ever seen an American this young play at this high of a level. I mean, obviously, he's only played one match. He's 17? He's 17 years old. He's eligible for the... I mean, he's he's eligible for the U-20 World Cup next time around. Oh, my God. He's only... He's only, what, like, three, uh, 15 months older than me. I am. That is insane. He is, like, four years younger than I am. <laughs> I mean, he is... Gotta get him on the podcast. He's seven years younger than Jossie's artist. Eight years younger than Ethan Finley. Four years younger than Jordan Morris. Three years younger than Matt Miazga. It's insane. I... To put the answer, he's. I think he. I mean, he just looks the part. And hopefully, you know, I'm just. You know, I'm hoping it all works out. And I'm just glad that Fox has Bundesliga rights because if we can eventually turn on TV and just see Christian Pulisic play, that's going to be amazing. Well, and that's what happened. I turned it on and I was like, oh my God, that's Christian Pulisic. And you were like, no, it's not. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, that's just kind of, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's just kind of my role in things. (laughs) Um, Oh, it was awesome. I like freaked. I had a mini freak out though. Yeah, no, we didn't. Even, you didn't even find out from Twitter. We just turned it on. Yeah, and he was playing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we yeah. got it. We got him right. We got it. We caught it right away, though. We didn't miss like any of the twenty-two minutes. He just came on. No, yeah, he had just come on. Yeah, so that was it. Was really exciting. He looked good. He looked like Jerome Kiesvetter looked, except against FC Ingolstadt for British Dortmund in the Bundesliga. Now. 22 minutes for a 17-year-old for one of the best Bundesliga sides, you know, out there and, you know, she's showing great potential or the next guy playing the championship. Uh, sorry, I revealed it a little bit, but go. Right, we still have to talk about number one on our list. Danny Williams started and played the full match in an FA Cup victory he for Reading, a 4 nothing FA Cup victory versus Walsall. Uh, now in the round of 16 in the FA Cup. He scored a goal. Great run from midfield all the way up the pitch. Meg's the keeper. Good job I, I'm upset with this, that Pulisic is not number one. How can... How, okay, Danny Williams would have won the game anyway. I mean, I mean, yeah, Christian Pulisic, Richard Dortmund, you don't know if they would have won the game. And also, okay, you know he's what, 17 years old. Feel free to disagree. Maybe you can come up with your top five. Every week. Nah, I just like I just kind of like criticizing. No, no, you, should, your you should disagree with me. That's fair <laughs> enough. You know, you know, uh, I'm just not. I'm not going to take it like Alejandro Moreno does, though. I'm going to fight back. 
do, I, do you even watch that show anymore? It's been like a year since I've watched it. ESPN FC? Yeah. Um, every now and then. Not, not, not so much. There's just not, ever since I started listening to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, 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 I've been, I've been reading a lot more articles on, on American heavy sites now instead of. Yeah, well, yeah, ESPN FC, they just talk about the Premier League and then Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. They're, still, they're probably Madrid. still talking about Chelsea's struggles or whatever. I'm just they, so don't, they don't even, they don't even have the rights to the highlights anymore. Oh, for any other league but the Premier League, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah so. I, I, Maybe Bundesliga, they have rights too. But I want to say, um, today, Danny Williams linked to a move to Swansea. So, you know, that could happen. But isn't the, only... wait, isn't the European transfer window over? He could be loaned. Oh. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, even if he moves in the summer, if Swansea stays up. No, yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. Dan- yeah. Danny Williams, I feel like Danny Williams is like in your top five like a lot. Because he scores a lot for midfield. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. They're all, he always, like, just dribbles a lot, like... Yeah, I know. And scores. Not like a the lot. other exciting news, Sahil. Lionel Messi, the reports are, is going to be playing in the Copa America, not the Olympics this summer. So, you know, you know, we I, we didn't really know what, what t- types of teams would be coming... If Leo, if Leo Messi is coming, I guarantee you Brazil calls up Neymar. And Luis Suarez is there for Uruguay. And then suddenly the light gets taken away from the U.S. Uh, what light? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's being played on our soil. I mean, it was, it was, it was our competition to win. until It's I'll... not really our soil. It's like our synthetic turf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've hit a lot of issues today. Uh, <laughs> we have an email to this podcast. It's soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter. That's at soccerbrotherspod. My brother's is at bigtimebrownie. Mine's at ASR underscore style. Reviewer rate if you're on iTunes. Like, follow us, or comment if you're on SoundCloud. We're also on Google Play now. Our site is about to be up. Neil, you know, what's the update on that? The update is I need a little bit of help doing certain things that you refuse to help me with. Oh, but we'll we'll, we'll we'll do that this weekend. You're coming down to Columbus, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we we will get that done this weekend. It's just you know it's it's been really tough. I've been really busy with school. Sahil's been busy with school, and uh, you know it's it's been it's been difficult to find the time to do it. But the site looks fantastic. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm honestly counting down. I'm not actually counting down, but I'm just really excited. <laughs> I mean, to, there's to, not really a countdown. Yeah, <laughs> I was counting down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good. We're, we're, we're only a few minor adjustments away because we want to have the best site possible at launch. Uh, so, yeah, we are excited about that. Also, Sahil, we are on Instagram, at Soccer Bros Pod. Oh, yeah. The links to all of our social media and... What happened to that uh, throwback Thursday you were hyping up while sh- <laughs> <laughs> This week. Uh yeah, so you know, all of our all of our information is in the description, uh, and please email us with your suggestions, um, or tweet at us with your suggestions, questions, comments, because what we say is our opinion. Uh, you can definitely feel free to agree with me. I know plenty of people do, and I well, we welcome it. You know, we started we started this podcast to. St- Start discussion. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's our main goal. Grow and grow uh, soccer in the states. Yes, and Sahil, the next few months for the podcast are going to be really, really exciting. We have uh, the site launching. We have a couple of guests that hopefully work out that line uh, that we have lined up. Um, you know, yeah. We, I mean, we are we are working on a T-shirt. Uh, so it's exciting time. We're looking for into us. tickets for some Copa America matches, so uh, that too. And we, we might be at the European Championships. That's a long ways away. But you know, honestly, I think this sort of started out. And we're not very big at all. We don't think we are very, we're big. But this started out as definitely just a hobby, just something we wanted to do for fun over the summer to talk about soccer. Uh, but we definitely have, you know. We, we've grown more than probably uh, we've grown more than I thought probably more than you thought I didn't think we'd have a sponsor that we'd have Ian Joy on the show uh, I mean, yeah that was crazy I mean that happened some, like you know, within a month of right, launch and, and some of the pe- some of the people I've been talking to uh, to have on the show uh, you know some of the friends we've professional friends we've made it's awesome and it's uh, it's all Thanks to you guys, the listeners, and we're very grateful. We're not, you know, we're, we're not anywhere close to where uh, we want to be eventually. Uh, but there's no reason for us to stop, though. Really, exactly. Think, so, uh, so you know, it's really important for you to tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, you know, buy an ambitious strike shirt. Tell your friends about that, and tell your friends about. Don't tell. Don't forget to tell your friends about the code. That's very important. Uh, yeah, I mean, do that. We really want we really want to grow. We're making an attempt to grow, uh, and we have ideas and plans to uh, exacerbate that growth. All right, many tangents today. Many many tangents. A very very a throwback episode kind. Yeah, of. yeah, I would say some old school soccer brothers. Yeah, I, but that's you know. That's what we like. Yeah. We love talking, I just like we, talking we lo- about a positive result for the U.S. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's... I mean, October seems like so long ago. Usually the, these I mean, episodes are depressing. This was November. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And the U.S., you know, we are able to watch every minute and keep traffic keep track of exactly what we want to talk about. Same thing for, like, MLS playoffs. Sometimes it's, diff- it's difficult for us to watch all the European matches we want to, especially when our teams are playing at the same time. That's the struggle. So, um... Yeah. Uh, what, what we're, what we're going to start to do, I think we're going to move to a more... Saha and I have discussed this, to a more maybe concrete format where we evaluate, you know, maybe four or five games a week, but two in depth and watch them. Uh, like actually watch them, and you know, because we're we're capable um, of bring you probably bring you better quality content. I think more in depth into the matches. Uh, maybe record a couple of matches and watch it. Uh, another really good. I know I'm just bringing this up. Another really good resource Sahil, is be in sports ninety and thirty uh, that we could definitely watch. Yeah, yeah, those those um, are very nice. So yeah, we we want to continue bringing you quality content and definitely improve our content. So. Uh, look forward to that. It's exciting times if you're a soccer bro. Yeah, we've also got. Is that what our fa- is that what our fans are called, soccer bros? Or do we want do we want like a gender ambiguous term? Um, soccer siblings. 
Nice alliteration. Soccer sibs. Or like, we can be like, the soccer frat. The no, soccer... Sahil, please. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I have no... <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with frats, but... No, just... no, I, I mean, no. That's, that, that's like... First of all, it's not gender ambiguous. Yeah. Second well, of all... Oh, it's yeah. not? Wait, what? I mean, there are some, like, professional frats that are co-ed. Oh, Okay. You'll, you'll learn all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure I will. Um, but we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, wrap this up. Uh, all right, we'll see you We'll see you next week after all the games that have happened this weekend. Uh, Including a U.S. match playing Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yep, we're going to see the same January camp roster take the field again. Hopefully we can end up with a similar result. I'm excited to watch it with you so we can actually discuss it while we're watching. I think that's important. It is important. All right, guys, we will see you later. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks.